Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And here's what it says. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. So notice here, a lot of people just give credit to Paul. I often do that. But a number of these New Testament epistles or letters from Paul are really not just from Paul, but he's the primary speaker. He's the primary author. But he'll give credit to others. Sosthenes is one, Timothy's another, and such. But notice this, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Called to be an apostle through the will of God. Paul was confident that God had called him to be an apostle, and he would begin his letters not just from Paul, but Paul called to be an apostle through the will of God. And so every one of us, this signals to us that we shouldn't try to promote ourselves. That's not the point here. And Paul wasn't doing that either. He's just clarifying who this is, Paul, and why he is writing this letter and writing these particular things, because he has a calling from God, a ministry from God, uh, an assignment from God to share these things. And of course, we know these particular letters are inspired of the Holy Spirit, so he's right on the money. So Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. So uh, you could just imagine that uh, maybe somebody is authoring these for him. Uh, and sometimes he writes with his own hands. And But Sosthenes is right there, maybe interjecting some things as well. But nonetheless, by the Holy Spirit. So it says, to the church. So Paul's writing and Sosthenes to the church of God, which is at Corinth. So this is a specific letter written to a specific people in the city of Corinth called the church. In other words, these are believers. These are born again believers that are part of the church. And we could say, well, is this one church like a building? No, this would be uh, that many homes in Corinth would have churches there But collectively, all of the people of God who were born again, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they made up the church who lived in Corinth. And so now, uh, and they would have larger gatherings as well, because Paul even addresses later on in the book some of the ways that people would uh, should function within church. We don't know a lot about all the details, but we do know that they met in homes, and we do know that sometimes they would meet and have larger gatherings, like the early church in Jerusalem. So notice, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, that means set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Uh, Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So notice he's saying, I'm writing to the church or the believers in the city of Corinth. He said, but we're called to be saints along with everybody in the whole world 
who is called part of the elect, part of those that uh, God knows will accept Jesus Christ and are open to that. We're like all the others. So he's putting these believers in the same category. And then he begins in verse three, similarly to how he begins so many of his books, grace to you and peace from God, our fathers, our father, excuse me, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance. In other words, your ability to uh, articulate the truth of God's word and such in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift. Boy, he's really complimenting them. Now, this is going to shift a little later when he begins to correct them. But first, he's saying, I want to talk about the strength. I want to talk about the grace that's been given to you. I want to talk about the wonderful things that have been accomplished in you and through you by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says, so that you, you Corinthian church, you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just stop there and remind you of what most all of you already know. But the word Christ is actually not translated from the Greek. It's a transliteration which means they they largely left it uh, intact. The transliteration is helping someone in a new language to be able to say the word in their language. And so Christos in Greek, now we say Christ. The point is it's not translated. But if you translate Christos, Christ, then what you come up with is the anointed one, the anointed one, Hebrew Messiah. Messiah. So whenever you see Christ, you really could exchange it for Messiah. Messiah. I don't often do it because it uh, sometimes distracts people because then they start thinking about that and they're not thinking about what the passage is saying. But I think it's important for us to periodically mention and remind ourselves that the word Christ means anointed one, uh, Hebrew Messiah, but even Messiah translated. What does it mean? The anointed one. See, so the, so the Lord anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, Acts 10.38. So notice again, Paul says in verse 4, I'm thanking my God for you, Corinthians, and uh, concerning you for the grace which was given to you. God gave you grace by Christ Jesus. You were enriched by Jesus. In all utterance, you have an ability to speak, and we're going to even see the spiritual language show up later that God had really accomplished the flow of spiritual language among this church. And all knowledge, even as the testimony of the anointed one, was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end. So notice, you are among those that are eagerly waiting for Jesus to return, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you be may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's at the second at the second coming that you may be blameless. 
God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, verse 10, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So notice now he says, I plead with you. I plead with you. Now, why does he have to do this? Because in churches today, oh, disunity, easy, fast, quick, and it spreads like leaven in uh, a bread dough. It spreads. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's easy to get in disunity because we're all different human beings. We all have different perspectives. We see it from different angles. But we need to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so... He says, I plead with you to uh, be of the same mind, be in unity and such. Verse 11, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household. Boy, he just called out. I'm telling you how I heard this. By those of Chloe's household. That would tell you that Paul recognized Chloe and his household as among those that were esteemed as credible as not being just gossips, but as leaders uh, in that church in Corinth. Uh, I've heard from those of Chloe's household that there are contentions among you. I've heard that you have not been in unity. I've heard that there are divisions. Verse 12, now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ, the Messiah. Is Christ divided? In other words, does he really want factions like this? Was Paul crucified for you? Well, the obvious answer is no. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The obvious answer is no. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Now, of course, Paul wouldn't have baptized in his own name, but He's saying people go out and, I mean, they say all kinds of things and slander and such. He said, I'm just glad I didn't do a lot of baptisms, lest people try to say that I'm trying to pull everybody to myself instead of pulling them to the Lord Jesus. And he goes on to say, verse 16, Yes, and I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So Paul is not against water baptism here. Paul is just saying that his grace, his calling, his assignment as apostle is not to stay around sort of like a pastor would do. And just baptize all the new believers who are coming in. Paul said, no, my job is to come in and lay a foundation and to get people going on the right track and to appoint elders, people who would baptize and take care of the flock in that way. And and then I'll move on to another place, be sent. An apostle means sent to another place. So he said, so Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. In other words, I'm not just trying to be eloquent and sound good here. And that this is a a vulnerability in ministry where you realize how people uh, have sort of an awe about somebody who's very eloquent and their words just, I mean, they've got these sayings and these phrases nailed down the three Ps and such. And I'm not against that. 
I've done that too. And still will continue to do some of that because it helps people remember. But some people glory in that thinking that that eloquence is what makes it happen. And Paul's saying, no, that is not what makes it happen. I didn't come with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He said, it's not the eloquence, it's the message itself that is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So we have to be careful that we don't glory or relish or put our dependency on the deliveries of the message, but the message itself. And thank God for good deliveries, but let's make sure that the delivery does not distract. And people are talking about the delivery more than they're talking about the impact of the message. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God. I just love this phrase. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe, believed it, uh, who believe, excuse me. It pleased God. Listen to this. It pleased God. God could have set up salvation any way he wanted to. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. This is what pleases God. Through the simplicity and foolishness of somebody communicating the message with or without eloquence. It pleased God that this is the way that he would save people. When they would believe the simple message. And I'm telling you, there are some people who hardly have any vocabulary at all in their language or dialects around the world. And when they share their testimony of how Jesus changed them in the gospel, I'm telling you, countless thousands get saved as a result of that. And it wasn't eloquent. They are not educated. They don't have a big vocabulary. And yet, it's the message itself. This is what Paul is saying. Don't underestimate the message. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. We preach this message, the anointed one crucified. To the Jews, that message is a stumbling block. Why? Because they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one. To the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, foolishness. What is that? What does some guy being crucified have anything to do with our salvation? But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Don't you love that? For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen, this is so good, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things, the low things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, here's why, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So let's talk about that for just a minute. 
God has chosen. Look at verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Listen, so many of us, we discount ourselves and we allow the enemy to discount us because we don't have a certain education. We don't have a certain personality. We don't have a certain eloquence. We don't have friends. Maybe we're very introverted. I tend to be very introverted. My wife's very extroverted, but we tend to be introverted. Uh, we prefer isolation uh, or maybe we're financially destitute. Maybe we have a sickness or an illness, a disability, etc., 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 etc. But here's the power of the gospel. God chooses people that have disabilities. God chooses people that have hang-ups or reasons why they would not be successful uh, ministering the gospel or successful in life. God chooses them. Why? Because then everyone will know that has to be God. And that's the point, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Nobody glories over their education. Nobody glories over their eloquence. Nobody glories over their personalities. Nobody glories over their wealth. Nobody glories over their connections to people, who they know and everything. No, he who glories, the chapter ends, let him glory in the Lord. In other words, we should know that it's the Lord. And, and I remember the story of Gideon where Gideon had 32,000 uh soldiers, but he was against an army with 135,000. And God said, you have too many, Gideon. He was thinking, what are you bad at math, God? He said, you have too many, lest Israel take glory for itself. And God cut him all the way down to 300 men against 135,000 Midianites. And the point is, God said, I need you to know, and I need the world to know that it's not you. You're not just the expert fighters. You're not the Navy SEALs of the world, so to speak, if I can use American uh, terminology. But God said, I need everybody to know that it's me. So he chooses the foolish to uh, put to shame the wise. God cho chooses the weak of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the base, the low things uh, of the world. He has chosen the despised. He has chosen the things which are not to bring to pass things uh, things that are. And so God is choosing. Let me just tell you, God has chosen you and me. Thank God this is good news for us. So anything that has disqualified you from doing your ministry, completing your assignment, from uh, doing well in life and such in the will of God, let me just tell you, whatever disadvantage, whatever disability, God is saying, yeah, I can show my glory there. Put the power of the message of the cross, central. Put your faith in that and watch the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring it to pass for you in your life. We declare it in Jesus' name. Well, I look forward to chapter two tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. 
Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.